0: Hello and welcome to episode six of Being a Whole Person. Rebecca here, and this interview with Emily Ann Peterson is full of gems. She shares about her multifaceted career, which started as a cello teacher, how things changed when she received multiple chronic illness diagnoses, and what she's doing now, which includes balancing being a singer-songwriter, author, marketing consultant in the School of Bravery, which she created, and the nitty gritty about the ingredients behind what bravery is a brief note this was the first interview that we recorded and we're still kind of figuring out some tech stuff so there's a little bit of a clicking sound happening while emilyana is speaking but it's not constant through the whole episode thanks for bearing with us on that we're really excited for you to hear her wisdom on planning for failure in order to succeed her philosophy on the root of overwhelm automating self-care and so much more stuff (laughs) You're listening to the Being a Whole Person podcast. I'm Rebecca Haas, a pianist, composer, and creative wellness coach. And I'm Lexi Rollet,
1: the astrologer behind Alexandria Astrology. And this is a podcast all about creative
0: entrepreneurship, self-care, and spirituality, and how they blend in our lives. Lexi and I are having honest conversations with a variety of other creative entrepreneurs to show the whole story of what it's like to be a business owner, not just the Instagrammable version. By digging into the real experiences of being a creative entrepreneur, we explore how it is possible to blend our career with our life and feel like a whole person. Welcome to the Being a Whole Person podcast. Hi, Emily Welcome to the podcast. Hi. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? Thank you for having me today. This is fun. I'm excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. Can you tell us about yourself
2: in your own words? Doesn't have to be like the bio. Sure, I am a I'm a singer songwriter, and I do um, a bunch of other things too. I'm also an author, and I do um, career and vocational coaching and um, marketing consulting for solopreneurs and people who are doing brave things. So that's. That's, that's my jam right now. I'm, I'm loving all of that stuff. I kind of get to have this income quilt of a lot of different kinds of things, and I love it. That's really great.
0: I like the term quilt. Yeah. My mom is an artist, and she says mosaic of jobs. I kind of like quilt.
2: Oh, yeah I, yeah. I totally credit that to Eric Branner, who's a, a, a friend of mine. He's, he calls it an income quilt. Um, and some patches are bigger than others and sometimes they change sizes over time and, yeah. you know, um, but, but generally speaking, I think it's really great to have a diversified source of income as a multi-potentialite, as somebody who has more than one skill. Um, cause we all do, Yeah. but I think that's really a good thing to have more than one income stream. It's, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah.
0: And also we just kind of like more than one thing. So yeah,
2: it's just fun to do more than one thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What would you say? I'm curious. What's your biggest square? Uh, What are you talking about? Time or money?
1: However you want to answer.
2: Well, my biggest creative square is songwriting. Um, I spend the most of my creative input on that. Um, the bulk of my time is typically also on that as well. Um, the bulk of my income comes from other non uh, not that <laughs> um, at this at this season uh, I will say at this season <laughs> there is there's great potential for that to switch so um, mm-hmm. but at this at this point in time I've got a, a couple different places where the, the income is coming from and have a couple different artistic projects that are profitable as well. So yeah, all those, all those things, like it really is a bouquet of different things. So it's, it's really fun to see what changes and what comes in. And Mm -hmm. if I spend my time here, what changes next month? And if I spend my energy here in this way, how does that change and that kind of thing? So yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's very much a, um, cause and effect relationship that that is that plays out for sure. Mm-hmm. I love that. I really liked
0: how you shared more about that in your email list. I, I don't know about a month ago or a couple of months ago. Kind of like the real story of okay, here's where my money is coming from right now. Here's where I would like it to be coming from. These are the shifts that I want to make. Is there any – do you want to talk about any of that?
2: Yeah, I spent four – well, basically what happened – so the backstory is I um, I have this inner circle email list. So whenever I get a harebrained idea to do something, um, usually my email list is the first ones to get wind of it. And the the hairbrain idea that Rebecca's talking about is <laughs> I did a four day series of emails where I went through all of my numbers for the whole year of two thousand and eighteen, like financial numbers, calendar numbers, time numbers, product numbers, um, the things that like like analytics, the miles I've driven, like the number of cities I've been in, all of those kinds of things. So, um, and, and sometimes like and the, all of that was basically to prove this point that the numbers tell a bigger story. The numbers are not the end all be all of your year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so sometimes when you see a number in your life and it's disappointing or it's not what you wanted it to be, the fact that it's not what you wanted it to be is actually pointing to the to the larger story of your life. Um, and so what Rebecca's referring to is like, I would love for my singer songwriter music to pull in more listeners and more um, and more streams on Spotify. But I have this other, um, this other music project called Cello Yoga and it has taken off. I don't, I hardly ever talk about it. I hardly ever do anything with it at all. Like, I think I have like 15 people on the email list right now. Like there's really, it's really minimal amount of effort from me, truly. Um, And yet in Spotify and on streaming, it has gone viral, um, really viral. And so it's been fun to see it unfold and it's been fun to see that traction take place, but it's also like, wait, I'm like, slaving over here with this other stuff (laughs) what gives you know and you know there's there's a bigger story here which is that one product or one music project is a utilitarian music project it's really serving a utility in the marketplace of you know like music for yoga and meditation and massage therapy so people will like add it to their playlist press shuffle and forget about it. Um, so they're not fans of the music, except that they listen to it all the time, which sounds weird to say, you know, <laughs> I am still very much at a baby stage in my singer songwriter career, even though I've been at it for, you know, like a handful of years in the grand scheme of things, I'm very much new. And so the numbers are pointing to that fact and, and the music project itself is not a utilitarian music project it's an art it's like an artistic project it's not a utilitarian project so um those numbers tell those stories of those two projects and um when i compare them it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges so yeah Hmm.
1: well what you just said spurred another thought. But what I was originally going to say is that, so I had never heard of you. And whenever Rebecca had invited you on the podcast, it's was like, okay, I'm going to check you out. And it was the yoga cello music that was like, interesting. I want to check this out. So it was really interesting that you said like, that's kind of what's going viral right now. And that was also what I was like, hmm, this is pretty cool. Um, but what you were just saying spurred another thought, and that was, isn't it yeah. interesting that our world or society or however you want to say it um, really says that things that are usable for like a, like you said, um, utilitarian, is that the word that you used? Things that are usable are more beneficial and worth our time rather than these expressions of creativity. Mm. Like it sounds like the numbers are kind of showing you like, okay, I'm spending all of this time making all these things that I want to create for the art. And then it's, I'm not getting a lot from it where this thing that's like people can just use and pay attention to it or not is actually blowing up.
2: Yeah. I've literally spent, there's two albums for for the cello yoga project and both albums took me one weekend to make, to write to record and to put it online is one weekend for each album. Wow. That's crazy. Like we're talking, we're talking like 15 minutes a song. Wow. So good return on investment. <laughs> sort of. I mean, like, like you, you look at the In terms of your energy. Well, yeah, perhaps. Um, Uh, You still have to compare, like, okay, how many cents am I getting for every stream? How many fractions of a cent? (laughs) I know exactly. So, so the fact that the fact that it's gone, quote unquote, viral on on streaming on Spotify doesn't mean a lot for my bank account. Yeah. So like when you look at the time and energy investment of 15 minutes per song, it evens out. Like it's about right. Like that feels right to me. Yeah. You know? But yeah, so cuz I am I like I'm planning on doing more of of that project, you know, later this year and and I'm definitely factoring in that fact it's like just cuz it's going just because there's more listeners does not mean that I need to be spending any more time on this thing.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Just because it's going to get added to playlist does not mean I need to slave over this anymore or, or pay a super fancy engineer to do the mastering for this album. Um, I still need to just do like, just good enough is just fine. Uh huh that's stuff that I like tell my marketing clients and my career clients as well. Like, you know, the the amount of effort that it takes you to get to 80% is fine. Like the, the energy that it takes you to get to the hundred percent of perfection is oftentimes just not worth it at all. Like bank account wise, not worth it physical energy, not worth it. Emotional energy, not worth it. Um, and so if you're focused on output or, you know, like, you know, career accolades or, you know, how do I balance all of these things in my life, mm-hmm. then looking at that 80-20 ratio, the the Pareto principle, you can Google that later, the Pareto principle is a, a good one to keep in mind that like, just strive for 80% and you're going to pretty much, you're going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you're totally right about the emotional energy part of it. I feel like that last 20% takes, I don't know what percent of emotional energy, but it's like a big majority. And if you just stopped at 80, you'd be like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. And that would be a weightlifting.
2: The amount of like bullying that you give, give yourself to get to perfection is is brutal yeah and it's not it's not worth it in my opinion it's not worth it as a human who's trying to strive for beauty peace and love in the world like <laughs> bullying myself to perfection is not the way to do it so
0: <laughs> yeah well and we can't even get to perfection no we, we think we can but yeah Yeah no. yeah it's crazy yeah can you tell us more about your book now
2: yeah of course so um so one of the reasons why I'm doing all this crazy stuff is um, five years ago, I was a full-time cellist and a cello teacher and was diagnosed with a hand tremor in my right hand. And so um, that was a career halting diagnosis because I affected my ability to sound the way that I knew I could sound um i makes my bow kind of sound like ha, 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 ha like that <laughs> instead of like a the the luscious sound that everybody loves knows the cello to be um and what I, what we know now today about my cuz it's degenerative it's neurological and it is a disease so um and so it's going to get worse we don't know how bad it's going to get worse um, so there were these big question marks with this diagnosis, and I didn't know like, how quickly do I need to make that career change. Everything in my life was centered around this instrument at the time, like my ability to pay the rent, the specific apartment that I lived in at the time, my friends, my like chosen family at the time, all of it was... Um, because I played this instrument, the specific instrument. And the idea that I would give that up or have to change it was really terrifying to me. So I went through like a year of this like grieving process and there's a bunch more details to that story. Uh, But throughout the whole process, everybody kept telling me, oh my gosh, you're so brave. You're so brave. Um, You're so courageous. Like what a courageous thing for you to be doing and talk like, considering, you know, this big career change and everything. And it did not feel brave at all. And it, every time somebody said you're so brave, I just wanted to like punch him in the face. Um because it just it was just not fun. <laughs> just not fun because I was going through grief like this is was my second it was my second voice. Like this was the instrument that I grew up on. This was the instrument that I knew how to express myself with. It was the thing that um, quite honestly got me out of a lot of like death defying moments. And to have it taken away from me was just mean. It just felt really mean. So this word bravery got stuck in my head. And I started reading up about about it, courage and bravery and read a lot of Brene Brown and a lot of other self help books on fear and a lot of other psychology standards on, you know, fear and how what what does the brain do with fear and all that good stuff. And and none of the books gave me what I was wanting, which was a list of ingredients and a like a recipe for what is actual what actually what is bravery everybody had these like theories and examples of bravery, but nobody had like, okay, so if you want to be brave, here's how you do it. (laughs) Uh And so I started researching it more, more on a personal level. So I started interviewing people that turned into a podcast. And then that podcast soon turned into a book because I started seeing common threads and I was able to find that recipe and was able to find those ingredients. And then the book became a bestseller last year. And yeah, it was been a real fun roller coaster. It's been really fun to to watch it unfold. And it's also been an honor too, because I get, I get like emails from people who have read the book and, and they've said like, this is legitimately what I needed to read. And that's why I wrote it because I could tell that the research that I was doing, I was uncovering things that I knew other people were going to need. Yeah that's the book. That's amazing. And the book's called Bare Naked Bravery, How to Be Creatively Courageous. And it's on Amazon in four formats, including audiobook, which I'm reading the audiobook. So if you want to have me tuck you into bed at night, I'd be happy to do so.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And I found you through your podcast... And then was part of your Facebook group. Yeah. And then discovered later that you had this whole, you know, singer-songwriter side of what you did, too. And I really liked how you mixed those things together. Like, I know you did a lot of, um, like, Q&As, but with songs mixed in. And I always thought that was a cool way to kind of mix those two facets
2: of your career. That's good to hear because I I was I was just thinking about starting back up some live streams and I was like, what format do I want to take? So yeah. that's good to hear. I mean, I don't
0: know what everyone <laughs> else wants, but I think it's awesome as a fellow musician. So would you say so, that you have a lot of overlap in those two audiences or do you think they're pretty separate or do they kind of cross-pollinate as they learn more about you or if you have insight on
2: that? Um, there's been... There's been cross-pollination. I think I've been learning more about that this year. So the book was published last January. So it's been out a year. So I've had a year to kind of test the waters of that. Like how much crossover is there between the music world and self-help world and the solopreneur business world? Um, There is crossover, but not everyone wants everything. And so what I'm learning is the best, and I'm not definitely not an expert in it yet. I don't have to be for it by any means, but I'm learning how to allow people to opt in to the buffet of all the things that I have to offer. So it helps, it helps me to not like censor myself, but also allow people to take the journey that they want to go on. Kind of like a choose your own adventure thing, as opposed to like, here, everybody gets all of this information stuffed down their throat, you know, like <laughs> you just push them down a big slide. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm learning how to tweak that and kind of improve on that. So I know that there is a lot to be said about niche and speaking to a specific audience with a specific need. Um, we'll take the cello yoga situation that there's a great benefit to being really specific, um, it solves one problem, which is music for yoga classes, and it just so happens that therapists and meditation music massage therapists and meditation folks love it too. So there's a little bit of peripheral fandom that happens, but I sought I set out mm-hmm. to solve one specific problem with that, and and there's a real benefit to that now. All of those people own businesses. So they're also likely eventually going to be interested in the School of Bravery, which is the vessel for all of my um, marketing and business clients and students and things like that. So, you know, long game, that might be where I connect those two audiences. But yeah, this is just all like, we're just shooting at the sky right now, strategically, <laughs> albeit, you know, <laughs> for sure. So, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it though, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, some days, it, it, I feel like I also need to have a good handle around, like brain-wise, I, I'm a visual thinker um, and I need to be able to see and picture the way that my audiences work together. And, and if I can't see that, or if I can't envision how I'm speaking to them, then I find that I end up just not speaking to them. Hmm. Just thoughts.
0: Yeah, lots of great thoughts. So, one of the questions I was planning on asking you, you kind of have already answered, or I can maybe guess the biggest challenge or hurdle, I'm I'm guessing, has been the tremor diagnosis. But post tremor, is there something that you consider to be the biggest challenge or hurdle as you were kind of re envisioning your career?
2: Yeah, so last year, uh, around the time of the book being published, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, which means my thyroid is low, which means my energy levels are low. And, it, you know, a lot of times you can adjust and, like, tweak that with medication. But this last, this last couple months, I can tell the energy level, like the medication needs to get adjusted or something because, like, energy levels have totally tanked. And I can even hear it in my voice right now, even in this interview, even though I'm trying my best to like be super like present and with you guys. I'm not, I I can tell that I'm not like fully, like I'm giving you 60%, even though I want to give you like the full 100. So I have learned that I just have to show up with whatever I have available for the day. I've learned amazing automation skills because I've had like absolutely no tolerance for doing nonsense work or work that I could have duplicated or just gotten rid of or, you know, automated. So, so that's a really wonderful gift that has come from that diagnosis is, is, you know, like you know. Hey, your energy levels have gone down. Great. Now you get to have an excuse to fully automate your your life and your business and you know, like find things like Instacart so that people go grocery shopping for you and you know, all these other wonderful tricks of the chronic illness trade that are wonderful. They're really great. <laughs> You know, so and I, it's been really interesting. Like, I've, I don't have a real big issue with productivity because I'm still able to like do a lot with my career. But the way that my career has unfolded has changed because of my energy levels. So, let's say for instance, um, had I had a full energy level that in this last two months, I would have been planning tours for performances for this spring. But because my energy levels were low, I didn't wanna, like, when you set out to book a tour, you're envisioning yourself driving for six hours, pulling gear out of your car, setting it up, getting on stage, giving everything you have to an audience, and then glad-handing and being really like 100% your, your full 100 authentic self selling your gear packing it up driving to a hotel pulling it all into the hotel and then repeating that over again like that's exhausting just for a person who has 100 percent of their energy but yeah so when i was thinking about like booking all these venues here i am like having a hard time just sending the en- email energetically like and i'm like this is not fair like i if i send this email asking for a date in april not knowing if i'll actually be able to do that event that's not that's on a business level that's not a contractually ethical request for me to make in this email so i had to do some like flipping around and and changing how like this is why you asked about like the size of the quilt squares like i'm spending creative time on this one project that i really love but my Income squares are coming from a different project because the industries and the time spent and all that kind of stuff and my chronic illness is a piece of that square, like that quilt, mm-hmm. right? So even though the chronic illness isn't making me money, mm-hmm. it's taking up a square on my quilt. Yeah. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting factor that I've, you know, I have the kind of brain that wants to figure something out. Mm-hmm. That sounds frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it it is both frustrating.
1: Um, but I think that's really important to note that you are still putting in the amount of energy that you have available to you mm-hmm. instead of just not doing anything like I'm sure you want to. Um, if you did just not do anything, then you wouldn't make any money. You wouldn't have a business at all. So it's true. I think that's. can you speak a little bit more to that?
2: Yeah, I actually, so when I was starting when, so we launched the School of Bravery in June and around that time I was thinking, oh, I have like learned so much about doing business with chronic illness. What if we made that kind of the niche for School of Bravery? Like how do you be brave with a business with chronic illness? And I did a lot of market research I asked a lot of questions from fellow business owners who have chronic illnesses. And what I realized was that by the time you are a business owner who has realized that your chronic illness is the source of all your problems as a business owner, me as a consultant, it's too late for me to help you because you've already done six months of not showing up for your clients or six months of not being able to get out of bed or does that make sense? And like yeah. all of those signs, like, cause when you have a chronic illness and things start to get bad enough that you get into a pain point of let's, we need to do something to fix this. Then your business is already like in may, it's in like mayhem, 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 you know? Um, and, that, and that can be really hard for me, the service provider and the guide that just makes it really, that makes it a harder transformation to provide to people. Mm-hmm. Um, not impossible, but it was just part of that market research is why it's so important when you're starting a business to do market research, because you realize like it may be a, a there may be a problem out there. It may need a solution, but you may not be the right person to solve that problem.
1: Mm.
2: If that makes sense. Interesting. It does. So like, for instance, if I have the chronic illness, if I have a chronic illness, and I'm dealing with energy levels issues, and then my clients are also dealing with energy level issues, and they need me to show up fully for them, because their businesses are tanking. Then I, then that's not, that's not a fair relationship because I can't show up for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the right person for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe I am the right person to show up for them. I don't know. I'll let them make the decision for that. But in terms of the energy equation, yeah. Yeah. And it's because I, I will say that the, there are people who are in the School of Bravery who do have chronic illnesses, but they are not in the School of Bravery expecting that experience to be the life-saving difference. Mm. Does that
0: make sense? Yes. Yeah. Like and- they're probably working with other health practitioners we're exactly. helping them in different exactly. ways, and they're not looking for you to help them with everything. Exactly. exactly.
2: Uh-huh. So the market research that I did pointed to the fact that, okay, you need to reach out to people further on in the chronic illness journey, further down the line, or people who haven't quite gotten to that level yet of pain point issues. Hmm. Wow this is heady stuff. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, this is perfect.
0: That's okay. great. That's what we want. We want real talk and we, right. we're we doing it. Well, <laughs>
1: and I think there's something to be said for entrepreneurship being a potential ideal career for someone with a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Because if if you're in a traditional career and you have those low energy levels, or there's something going on with your health and you, you can't go to work, you're screwed mm-hmm. <laughs> and you may eventually lose that job yeah um, so I think there's definitely something important about entrepreneurship as a possibility not always the solution but it's a possible uh, solution for people with chronic illnesses
2: well I mean a good a good reason why I we did the school of bravery there's three levels to it and the first level is the lowest enrollment rate and it's two classes a month so i as the service provider need to just show up twice a month for those people the next level includes a weekly engagement then for those folks then i show up twice a month and weekly and then there's a vip level that is like face to face twice a month in addition to the weekly and the other classes so i created those levels because of my chronic illness, Mm -hmm. because I knew that like, if I had a tough day, I could at least teach a class Mm -hmm. and I could reschedule everything else. Um, If I had a tough day, I could at least do laser coaching via Voxer and kick ass all the way on all of those things. So those are things that I am super, a huge advocate for creating contingency plans. Um, This is like bravery, 101 as well like if you if something terrifies you and you're playing and playing what if is the thing that's holding you back then go ahead and follow the what if rabbits down those trails like plan for all the failures that you may have so that you feel prepared to take that leap Mm mm-hmm if in case the net does not appear, because sometimes it doesn't appear. <laughs> <laughs> True story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the sometimes you leap and the net does not appear and you will wish you had prepped yeah. for the contingency plan of otherwise. So planning for those contingency situations is, is really a, a helpful thing. If you're, if you've got something that you're, you know you're facing right now or you're like I know that I need to do this thing but I don't know how or it scares me then oftentimes what helps me is to ironically plan for its failure Mm -hmm. and then and then it's suddenly all so much easier to just go for it interesting yeah I love that sounds helpful for the anxious mind which I definitely have one Totally. And it works great for like, okay, let's do like social anxiety. So you're in the car getting ready to go to a party and you're in the car outside of the party and you know that there's a likelihood that your ex may show up and you don't want that to happen. That's not a good thing. So rather than just sit in your car and or drive away and not go to the party, sitting in your car and planning a contingency plan for, okay, if my ex shows up, I can do one of five things. I can, and you can write them down and put them on your hand if you need it to, like, like you really need to, you can find, you know, Sally and talk to her and distract yourself. You can go to the bathroom and hide yourself away. You can stand by the punch bowl you can go run an errand instead. You can you, there's like a myriad of things that you can do mm-hmm. when your ex comes through the door or you can like directly walk right up to him and say hello, shake a hand, get it out of the way and like move on with your life, right? <laughs> so, so having those contingency plans in place allow you to go, okay, great. Now I feel prepared for the inevitability that he may or may not show up. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I don't have to I don't have to sit there in the party going like oh, I hope he doesn't maybe is is he going to do the you know in fear you can just be at the party and know that you've got five options to choose from. Should he walk through the door? And that feels you can make that decision with more confidence with that contingency plan in place. Yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz I feel like a lot of that anxiety comes from not knowing, Yes, not knowing what to do, not knowing the options. So if you just prepare yourself, then hopefully, I mean, ideally that would just take away most of the stress and the anxiety.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I always say that um, overwhelm uh, comes from simultaneously not enough information and too much information. Mm, that's good. So we, have, so we have too much information, but we don't have enough information to do anything with that too much information.
1: Okay. Now it makes more sense.
2: Right. So you're just sitting there with a fire hydrant full of information flowing at your face, and you're really overwhelmed because you don't have anything to do. You don't know what to do with all that information. So sometimes taking a step back and asking yourself more questions to get more information is a a really great thing. Like, what will I do if he walks through the door, (laughs) right? And suddenly you're not overwhelmed by the notion that he could walk through the door Mm
0: -hmm.
2: because you've prepared yourself with just a little bit more information.
0: Hmm. So speaking of planning, as someone with a chronic illness, Mm -hmm. how do you plan your self-care? Because I know a lot of that is not able to be planned because you don't know how you're going to feel on any given day. But like what kinds of practices do you have
2: in place to deal with every day? I have contingency plans for how I feel on a given day. So I've automated it basically. Mm-hmm. I don't have plans. I have automations. Uh huh. Um, so if I wake up and I'm feeling good, then I go for plan A. If I'm waking up and I feel sort of okay, then I go for plan B. If I wake up and feel really gross, then I go for plan D or F or <laughs> yeah X or whatever, you know. So like
0: what's, what's plan A? Like how do you take care of yourself on a day when you're feeling good?
2: Uh, it also depends on what I have scheduled too, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, so there there's these three main ingredient, ingredients in bravery. I'll get to your answer in a second. So there's these three main ingredients in bravery, um, vulnerability, imagination, and improvisation. So whenever I'm making a plan using for self-care with my chronic illness, I have to have the vulnerability and I have to have enough vulnerability to be honest with myself about my energy level. I have to have enough imagination to be able to envision what my day could look like given the constraints of what I've scheduled or what people are asking of me and all of that. And then I also have the ability to, I also need to improvise throughout the day, should my energy levels tank in the middle of it. And so if you do that enough, it just becomes a little bit easier and easier and easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Knowing when you need to rest. Yeah. 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 So, and, and what I found is, you know, like one of the reasons why we started the school of bravery, as opposed to just me doing marketing consulting, like any old you know like marketing consultant out there um, is that I realized that the these ingredients of bravery that are, were in my book helped make helped my marketing consultants make decisions immensely. Um, so if somebody has a question like how do I plan for my product launch, we roll out the twelve ingredients of bravery and go great. Which ingredient is missing from your launch strategy? Oh yeah, I don't have a vision for how successful it could be. I also don't have a vision for how it could tank. So (laughs) cool. Let's map that out a little more crystal clear. And now suddenly your product strategy, your product launches come together a little, you know. Or like, hey, I have a new product I want to launch, or I have this idea, this crazy harebrained idea. I'm not sure if it's gonna be successful. Will it fly? We roll out the twelve ingredients and go like great, what do your clients think about this thing and that thing and um and, and run down the list of ingredients and, and it and it makes it really easy to make decisions as a business owner to incorporate those twelve ingredients into your business as a creative. Cause it takes some creative creativity to do brave things. Definitely. And to be a business owner. And if you ignore that fact and just like press on and just do the do the thing like just be the business owner and suck it up and do it, then you're ignoring your deeper emotions. You're ignoring the fact that y- you're also ignoring your your most valuable skill set as a creative. And that's not cool.
0: And everyone is creative, even if they don't admit it to themselves. It's totally true. Especially business yeah. owners. Just maybe not in the way that I paint or I sing or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit. Do you have any spiritual practices that come into your life and that help you
2: do what you do and be a person in the world? Um, I do a lot of creative stuff. I've, I would say that those are very spiritual practiced things. Mm-hmm. I have spent a you know like a good couple years dabbling in a lot of different things just to experiment, but not rooting down into one specific thing, and that feels good right now you know like I I think that that feels good
0: what kinds of stuff have you been sampling
2: um I've done a lot of yoga and I've done some reiki and I've had a few friends who are way into astrology And I think naturally when you write a self-help book, you kind of immerse yourself into the woo-woo world. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I have a ton of people who are into all of that, like angel cards all the way to tarot cards and everything. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I feel like each one of those modalities or spiritual practices has something to offer. It offers a unique way to look at the world. I think philosophically I'm of the mindset that like real truth comes from your own intuition
0: mm-hmm. that's very spiritual yeah
1: oh yeah I love that well I think many spiritual practitioners would agree you know like as if you want to take tarot for example it's it's about trusting your own intuition of being able to look at the cards and interpret them and it's and it's all coming from your own intuition so I would agree with you like I love that.
0: So before we wrap up, I want to know if there's anything you wish you would have known before you started working for yourself and if that means back when you were a cello teacher or you know, more recently
2: about any aspect of your career. I think I wish I would have known. I wish I would have had less shame around side hustles or day job gigs mm. or even because there are some musicians or singer-songwriters who look at my other side of my self-employment world and they see my music you know like my marketing consulting career coaching that kind of thing they look at that as my day job and then there's this like little tiny piece of shame that's like oh your music's not full-time you know can relate to that or you're not making all your money from that or vice versa like you know the online business world uh, there's really no shame in side hustles wherever it comes from. And business is very similar. You're creating something out of nothing. So any creative idea needs space and time to grow and nurture. And if you put too much pressure on that thing right away from the very get-go, you're going to kill it. (laughs) That's Stands true for babies and it stands true for businesses and it stands true for songwriting and all of that. So it's very important to have a nurturing environment and that includes your businesses and your career. So if that means getting a side hustle and giving your business some space to breathe and nurture and, um, you know, so that you can make more sane decisions <laughs> um, as a business owner, then then go for it. I think that's really, really a great thing to do. So yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I 1,000 percent agree, and and I feel like I understand where the shame comes from, mm-hmm. but we need to do whatever we can to get away from that. Because at the end of the day, it's what do you need to survive? <laughs> you know, if you're if your business that you're creating is not funding your life then you need to do something else like it's just a matter of survival so i don't think there's any shame in trying to survive in whatever way that that will come Mm -hmm. about for you Mm
0: -hmm. and risk tolerance is so big too we're not all at the same place with our tolerance of risk so while it sounds really romantic to you know jump in the net will appear and you know quit your day job if you're a planner like i am like, I would be miserable if I was just going to wing it. Like, I need to know that at least something, all those contingency plans are in place, so I'm not going to go broke. Other people would be like, yeah, I'll live on my friend's couch for a while. But, like, if that's not cool with you, you got to know where you are on that spectrum.
2: It's true. Yeah, And, and the, the other thing to keep in mind, you know, like, we'll go full circle with those numbers, is that, like, numbers – The same number does not tell the same story for each person. Yeah. So just because one person is making $10,000 a month in their business doesn't mean that their life looks the same as yours. In fact, like I I know a lot of other online business professionals who make the $10,000 a month and they're... Bottom line, their day to day life looks very similar to the way mine looked like four years ago when I was like, <laughs> like, like struggling, like on the massive struggle bus to like just survive because their expenses are so high, sky high it doesn't matter how much they make, you know, every month their expenses are so high that their profit level is just still really small. Yeah. So whenever, whenever people start bragging about their numbers, take all that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Cause usually yeah. there are other numbers that they're not sharing, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So yeah. <laughs> not to say that, not to say that they're out there to get you, Yeah. but you know what I mean? Just like Grain of salt, folks. Grain of salt. Always a grain
0: of salt. Is there anything else you want to mention before we go today? And feel free to tell us. You kind of talked about all of your things, but if you want to point us to where you are on the internet, things that people can check out. Sure. If you
2: are interested in music stuff, all of that is at emilyannpeterson.com. And if you're interested in some of the business stuff that I'm doing, um, that's at schoolofbravery.com. And cello yoga is at celloyogamusic.com. Choose your own adventure. Have at it. Awesome. We'll link to all that stuff in the
0: show notes too, so people can find it easily.
2: Awesome.
0: Thank you guys so much for having me. This has really been fun. Thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe
1: on the podcast app of your choice, leave a rating and review on iTunes, or share with a friend.
0: Or if you really love it, you can support the making of this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon for exclusive content. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at
1: being a whole person. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.